All right, what is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Sage Bay Podcast. Today, we've got the man, the myth, the legend, Rally Hole, back again. How are we, mate? What's going on? No, good, man. How are you? Yeah, we're good. I reckon, I think you, you're probably on nearly every second or third episode now of the of the show. You've become like a, a regular guest. It's nice out here, man. I like it here. <laughs> but, I mean, with NBA, though, there hasn't exactly been a whole lot to talk about, but, you know, I thought we'd start off with some Lakers stuff, because the Lakers have kind of, they, they've been moving on, um, seems like they might not be trading Russell Westbrook now, I don't know what's going on there, you know, they're, they're already negotiating with the Utah Jazz about more trades, but I've got a report here, and I want to get your thoughts and opinions on it, because it's saying that the Jazz and the Lakers are having ongoing trade talks centered around Boyan Bogdanovich. And that is being reported by Tony Jones of The Athletic. They're also saying that they're trying to ship players like Jordan Clarkson, Malik Beasley, and they think they can get a first out of each player. Do you see Bogdanovich going to the Lakers? Is that a is that a move that could possibly be happening? Uh, I don't really see him going to the Lakers. But I do think that would be a great move. Lakers is able to get that done. Uh, you got to think, man, the Lakers right now is desperate, bro. But I just don't think they got the assets. Like I do know Danny A said he want a first round pick, but I don't know if it, I don't know if they I don't know if the Lakers gonna do that, bro. Like I don't know if they are gonna give up one of their two first round picks for for him. Not this early, especially when you're talking about trying to get Kyrie. Unless they out of that. Yeah. Is that is that the consensus? Are they out of that move for Kyrie? Because I think that's what they've been saying that Kyrie will play out the season and then. I think, look at his options in free agency. I think, well, I think a gamble would be, all right, we're going we gonna to trade for role players and assets, and then we're going to bang on the fact Kyrie uh, doesn't resign with the Nets. But I think that's a real huge gamble right now, man. <laughs> yeah, man, I think with Kyrie Irving, bro, like it's kind of tough because it's like uh, – you did all of this to get Kyrie, and you about to trade one of your one of your two first round picks to get Bog. And I understand he's a good player. I'm not gonna fake. That's a really great player to have, but it's a huge gamble though, because it's like, all right, do you really trust in the fact that Kyrie, by the end of the offseason, is gonna make up his mind that he's gonna leave the person who he say is his best friend to come to L.A. Like, I know his rumor is, like, you hear all this stuff talking about Kyrie bought a house in L.A., but Kyrie's rich. Like, it's so, like, <laughs> almost a whole league got a house in L.A. That don't mean he going to go there. Yeah. And I feel like with Kyrie, Kyrie is probably one of the most unpredictable players we've seen in the NBA to date. And the gamble on that unpredictability on Kyrie, that might yeah. not be a good idea, man. You never know what's going to happen. He could literally sign... He, Kyrie's the type of dude to go, you know what, screw this. I'm going to go run point guard in Cleveland off the bench or some shit. The dude is that unreliable. He could literally do anything. Like, he could wake up next morning and just be like, you know what, I owe the city of Cleveland. <laughs> I'll go back on the minimum. He's that dude. He is that dude. He Obviously, that's not going to happen. But, like, Kyrie is the guy that could. I agree with you. He's very unpredictable. For all we know... This could have just been a big ploy for Kyrie to, you know, play out the season, play some good basketball. And if the Nets do something, don't be surprised if Kyrie signs like some max contract with the Brooklyn Nets again. And then if you're the Lakers, then all your hope has just kind of gone out the window. But I think that's what a lot of people are saying is if they can't get Kyrie and they're going to keep Westbrook and stuff again, wouldn't this season be a waste? Like, would it just be another waste season? Because they're not, they didn't really improve at all. They got younger, which is cool. They brought in Pat Bev. So maybe there is some improvement, but it's not enough to say this team is 100% going to be making the playoffs. It's not enough to say anything at all. But then you've got Boyan Bogdanovich right there. Like, he is right there. The issue is, how do they match up salaries with him? So I, still, I still think he's on $18 million. You'd probably it obviously have to be the Westbrook situation where Westbrook gets traded and a first round pick. You could probably bring in Bogdanovich. I think Jazz would honestly throw in a Jordan Clarkson as well. 
But is Jordan Clarkson and Bogdanovich that much to like send yeah. you over the edge? You know, I just I'm not confident but, of it. Like, is that really worth it? I agree with you, man. Like, as many as much as or even though you got Russell Westbrook technically on a deal, but am, are you really willing to give up Russell Westbrook for that price? Mm. Like, like let's be real. Like, Russell Westbrook, yes, we know he had a season that was not very memorable, but it's like it's Russell Westbrook. Like, you want to plug Bog with Russ, with this mm. roster, because, like, as you say, like, you trade Russ for him. Like, you literally – Russ still got star power in this league, whether you like it or not. And it's like, right now, you make that trade. Yes, that might kind of be better as a fit, but, like, long-term, you basically just got a team of role players and gambling on the fact that Anthony Davis stay healthy. Yeah. So, and if we really want to be real, is this going to be Brown with a whole bunch of role players in L.A.? And I agree with you. Do you think this team – do you think that Los Angeles Lakers team can be competitive or even make it to the playoff? Honestly, I can see that not happening um, if you make that trade right there, especially when you give up all your assets, basically to position yourself to even be in position to get a Kyrie Irving. Uh, but, hey, <laughs> Los Angeles Lakers, you know, I think they're in a real tough end of it, uh, situation, man. Yeah. I don't know how they messed this up this badly because remember when in 2020 they – it was like LeBron was kind of painting himself out to be now the second option. He wanted AD to be that number one guy. And he was saying, oh, I'm going to take a you know backseat to AD. All this type of stuff, right? Two years passed like that. And all of a sudden, LeBron James is doing the massive carry job, similar to what he had to do in 2018 you know, season, the Cavs, 2019 season, the Lakers. AD is nowhere to be seen. He's injured all the time. And then you've got Russell Westbrook out here who just, he's not it. Like, I don't know. And I know they, there was some goals that they had this offseason, right? They had boxes they wanted to tick. Add more defense. Move Russell Westbrook on. Add shooters. Youth. This and that, right? They've only ticked half of those boxes. And a lot of those boxes weren't hard to tick. Do you, like, seriously, if I were to ask you this question... Do you think the Lakers brought in any better shooters? Like, have they really gotten that much better when it comes to shooting? No. Yeah. No. No. I I think that to that point, I think the only person you can kind of say they brought in that maybe an upgrade shooting was is probably Thomas Bryant. Like, I think he kind (laughs) of fits somewhat in the need. But the problem is anybody who's watched Thomas Bryant or haven't watched Thomas Bryant because of one consistent thing, he keeps getting hurt. But when he's not hurt, he's a decent rebound protector. He can he can uh, rebound the ball well, and he can stretch the floor. But he's just like Anthony Davis. He's glass. His body is straight glass. Like, literally, he'll give you 10, 20 good games, but then he's going to be out for the rest of the season, right? And it's like, is that enough? No, you lost Malink Monk. You might lose Carmelo Anthony. Those was two of your best shooters. Yep. You added Lonnie Walker, who's not a shooter. You added Thomas Bryan, who was an okay shooter. Um, you got Patrick Beverly, but unfortunately, when you got him and people is already saying he's your best shooter on the team, that's a problem. <laughs> that is a very that is big a problem. problem. Very, so very big like, problem. It's like the Los Angeles Lakers went into this offseason knowing what they needed knowing what LeBron James has always been successful with and saying, you know what, we're going to do the total opposite, right? And I just yep. don't think that is what they needed to do this offseason. This is why I would probably give them like a C- minus or a D plus this offseason because they didn't do what they needed to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this team is actually – this this team may be worse. You you somehow managed to find a team with, with even less shooters than yep. you was – last season. Like, the players you needed to keep, you lost them. Malink yep. Monk, Carmelo Anthony, potentially, like, as soon as Carmelo had the chance, you should have signed them, just off the premise of, he he, he was it. He was yep. literally your only shooter. And now you got to gamble on Austin Reeves having uh, trans- um, yeah. like a crazy development you're, year. You're exactly right, though. They were the only two dudes they needed to, like, somewhat retain. And I don't mind letting Malik Monk go. He went for $9 million. 
But as long as you replace him with someone on similar money that can do more of a role, right? So if you lose Malik Monk, what do you want out of the play you're going to replace him with? You're going to want a dude who you're going to pay $9 million to, similar to what Malik Monk was on, you know, what he just signed with. But you're going to want a dude that you're going to pay to be a very good three-point shooter, just a catch-and-shoot dude, and maybe add some perimeter defense. So what do they do with that money? They go and sign Lonnie Walker, which has been noted to be a very bad three-point shooter over his career in the NBA. His shot creation is very, very all over the place. The only thing Lonnie Walker probably does is, I feel like low-key is a good perimeter defender. They actually did fix some of their perimeter defenses offseason. You know, Toscano Anderson, they brought in as well. He should add some defense there. Pat Bev, um, perimeter defense. And Lonnie Walker, perimeter defense. But you're still... You have no three-point shooting still. You have no interior defense, because AD's never there. And you can't tell me that Damian Lee, or whatever his name is, is going to fulfill all that. I don't know. I just feel like there are so many holes here. And they decide to keep Rob Palinka. Do you think... Was it finally time for them to move on from Rob Palinka? Because I've heard the reason they haven't sacked him, and they probably never will, is because apparently he's very close with Jeannie Buss, and it's like a... It's, like, impossible for him to be sacked at this point. Like, it's like firing a family member, you know? If I was them, like I like you said, I understand that, too. I heard that, too. That's the, one of the, the main reasons he didn't get fired. But realistically, he has to. Look at, like, what he's been able to build in these past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, like, because he didn't get Bron there. That was Magic Johnson. He didn't get Anthony Davis there. That was Magic Johnson. So when you really look at what has Rob Plinka done for the Los Angeles Lakers, like has the team gotten better under his his supervision? No. Yes, they won a championship, but all of those moves was made by Magic Johnson before he stepped out. This was mm-hmm. the team he built. And then if you look at after they won the championship, what did uh, Rob Plinka do to improve on this roster? He didn't do that. Like, yes, he did make smart moves. He realized, yes, all right, let's try out Malink Monk. That was a great move. You got him on a budget. You got Carmelo Anthony there, even though that was more so a LeBron James power move than it was a Rob Palenka move. But, all right, let's give you credit for it. You got Carmelo. You got Malink Monk. And then you traded for Russell Westbrook. This was probably one of the big moves from Rob Palenka. And you look at how that team literally went from a championship contender team to a team who literally had three All-Stars on it. Yep. And didn't even make the playoffs. It's it's also That's a LeBron. problem. It's also LeBron. They still got they gotta stop giving this dude executive decisions. Maybe <sighs> like I actually kind of feel bad for Rob Palinka sometimes because I heard there was a rumor he actually wanted Demar over Westbrook, but LeBron edged him to do the Westbrook move. Stop listening to him. You're the GM. The GM is not the GM. Stop listening to the guy. And there are so many better dudes you could have signed. One that comes to my head already. Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson signed for like the exact same money Lonnie Walker did. Kyle Anderson is a better interior dude. He's a way better three-point shooter. He might be the slowest guy nearly in the NBA. But he does every single thing better than Lonnie Walker. Maybe than other than like perimeter days. Right? Why? Why was Lonnie Walker... And who was offering Lonnie Walker more than $4 million to join their team? You know, yeah. I just don't get it. And there's other decisions too. There's one player who would have been perfect for the Lakers. I don't know how this guy hasn't been signed yet, but I think I've spoken about him to you many times. There's a center out there right now who is telling every single team that he just wants to start at center. He's only going to join your team if he can start at center, right? And that is DeMarcus Cousins. Apparently, he's had 20 different offers to come off the bench. He doesn't want to do that. It's obvious that that's true because the Nuggets ended up bringing in DeAndre Jordan, which, I mean, it's obvious Cousins is way better. But the Lakers had a starting center role to fill right there, and you've got to do like DeMarcus Cousins, who, I forgot what, yeah, it was the Nuggets. The, the last half a year that he played on the Nuggets or whatever, he played really, really well. His interior defense is a little bit behind, but I'm pretty sure his three-point shooting got back up. His interior offense, everything like that was really, really good. 
But the Lakers still picked Damian Jones over DeMarcus Cousins and players like that. You cannot tell me that any of those players are better than DeMarcus Cousins. I don't get it. So... I, I agree with you. Yeah. The Lakers should have eyed... I would have eyed DeMarcus Cousins. Shoot, I would have I would have eyed JaVale McGee. I wouldn't even have let Dallas yeah. even get the chance to get JaVale. I would have got those type of budget players because they wasn't they wasn't expensive for y'all. Then I would have start. Then I would have probably I would have resigned Link Monk. Would have got Carmelo Anthony because y'all still got like for what is worth the Los Angeles Lakers had his core players. Mm. The players that left the team was not the issue. <laughs> it was the opposite. The core players that left the team was the players that they needed to multiply <laughs> in order to make this team better. Yep. Unfortunately, I agree with you, man. Like you got Demarcus Cousins in free agency, and he has no business being there. Why isn't the Los Angeles Lakers taking a chance when y'all are a team that missed the playoff? Like y'all took a chance on Patrick Beverly with Russ. Yeah. You know, like, do you understand? Like, <laughs> like when you have a team like the Lakers, who's championship driven, like the Lakers, whose whose aspirations is championships, and you got LeBron James. You have to make moves like this. These are impactful moves. Like you telling me Thomas Bryant was a better signer than the Marcus Cousins. Like a lot of people nah. can't even really vouch for like the last time Thomas Bryant actually played a game of basketball, <laughs> let alone talk about what his value truly is to the Los Angeles Lakers. Now I understand. I know Thomas Bryant used to play for the Lakers. I understand Thomas Bryant, what he brings, but let's be real. He still is not better than DeMarcus Cousins with DeMarcus yeah. Cousins' brand because, yeah, yes, you could say, all right, you start him, but when you realize that Anthony Davis is probably going to miss 30 of your games anyway, you think about it, that is a huge uh, um, trans. I mean, well, not transaction. That's a huge thing that helps the Los Angeles Lakers long term. You feel what I'm saying? Like, and then, well, assuming y'all would have got like a play like uh, uh, JaVel McGee, too, that covers yeah. your defense, too. So it's like, I don't know. I think the Lakers right now is in a situation where they're trying to double down on defense. Mm. But it's like, it's just so much defense is going to do for the Los Angeles Lakers when you look at who's in the yeah. West. And especially when you see the Clippers, who's – they definitely the might be the team in the L.A., yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, For the Clippers could be the best team nearly in the West now. Like, people don't understand their – Depth is insane. Their depth, they have like their thirteenth man is better than the Lakers' eighth man. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it, it's it's insane. Robert Covington's probably their twelfth man or something right now. He would start on the Lakers. They yeah. built a really good team, but I, I don't yeah. know what the Lakers are doing. Uh, why you don't sign the Marcus Cousins? Give him a chance. I don't know. I don't think Malik Monk was necessarily a bad move. Letting them go. Because I thought they were going to sign someone who could fulfill a better role, but they just didn't. So now it is a bad move. Lonnie Walker is—he is already less of a three-point shooter than what Malik Monk was. It's—it's—it's it's, it's very frustrating. I can't even imagine how it would be like to be a Lakers fan right now. But there's been a team. We'll move on from the Lakers. There's been a team that's been making a lot of noise right now, and they were the team that. I don't know how I want to kind of segue into this, but there's a team right now that I actually have a very strong opinion on. Who They have a lot of players who have been saying some stuff recently, one being their center. He's been kind of talking the talk. Has he walked the walk yet? I'm not sure. But there's this team in the NBA, and I know you might disagree with me on this, but there's a team in the NBA that I legitimately think could not only be a top three seed in the West but I also think could be the number one seed. Now, I'm not saying they will be the best team because I don't know if they can do what a lot of people think they can in playoffs. But the team I'm going to talk about right now is I legitimately think, and this could be a big call, but I legitimately think the Minnesota Timberwolves could be a top three seed this season and could push for the number one seed. I, If you look at this Minnesota Timberwolves team, the only thing they don't have is playmaking. Their starting five is stacked, like legitimately stacked. It is built for the regular season, right? You got D'Lo right there, who's going to average you 18 and five a game at point. 
Anthony Edwards, six foot seven perimeter defensive dude who can shot create, who's probably going to go for like 23 a game this year. Be, I think, one of the best defenders in the league. Jaden McDaniels at the three, elite three-point shooter, great defender. Cat at the four, Gobert at the five. Am I am I wrong for saying that the T-Wolves could be a top three seed? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, it? like, and I, I like the Timberwolves. I've always yeah. liked the Tim. I don't know why. I've like, it was just something about them. But when you look at, when you look at the West, right? Mm. Like, you got teams like the Suns. That's gonna be better. The Grizzlies. Yeah. That's gonna uh-huh. be better. You got Golden State. That's gonna be better. Hold you on, got hold the on, Nuggets. hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't know about Golden State in the regular season. In the playoffs, a hundred percent. They're going to be better. You think right they're going to win more than the... Yes. They got better role players. They, right, they start right, lineup right. is a lot more season. Yep. Then you got, what I say? I said the Nuggets. You got the Clippers, obviously. That's going to be better. The only thing that's no. going to hurt them is if they get hurt in this regular season. Tables will win more games than the Nuggets. They'll, they'll get there. I don't think so. I really Man. don't think so. I think... I think the Minnesota, <laughs> contrary, and I'm going to be the total opposite. Mm. You say top three, I think they're going to be a, a team that's scratching for the playing again. Yep. So, I think they're going to be an eighth, seventh seed. Do you know why Maybe I'm bringing six. this up? Because I, I think it was on ESPN I saw it, and I can't remember who the two dudes were. But one guy was saying they would be a top three seed, and one guy was saying they would be a, a barely a playing team. And I was thinking, damn, that kind of sounds like me and Rally. We have complete different views on this. But the thing is, what I'm trying to say is the Minnesota Timberwolves, I think they were the seventh seed last season, right? They got better in every single way this offseason. Every single way possible, except maybe playmaking. Right? And I'm I'm saying this right now. Rudy Gobert, like, we got to remember the Jazz have been, like, top four seeds a couple times in the last couple years, you know what I mean? Rudy Gobert, you got the best interior defensive guy now in the league. And the biggest knock on the Timberwolves was that they had no interior defense because Cat didn't want to do it. But what Cat has always been able to do is actually be a right on the perimeter. You move Cat to the four now, where he goes and guards the perimeter, he'll do much better there. At the three now, you have a natural small forward in Jade McDaniels who can shoot above 35, 36% from three. Really good perimeter dude. Really good interior dude. And then my one is Anthony Edwards at the two. Anthony freaking Edwards at the two. You got a six foot seven dude who was already one of the best perimeter defensive guys at small forward. Now he's at shooting guard. He's going to be playing on six foot one to six foot four guys at shooting guard. And this dude's six foot seven, six foot six, can move around like an absolute beast. I think. This Timberwolves fan. and their bench, like Torrain Prince, off he he's a solid dude off their bench. You got um Kyle Anderson as well, who I mentioned earlier. Really, really good guy. There is a lot of depth on that bench as well. I don't see why they couldn't be a top three seed. You know what I mean? And I don't feel like any of those players touch on wood for them, where even is wood somewhere over here. They don't really have any injury history either. That's a relatively healthy team. My knock is on Phoenix. What happens if Chris Paul does a hammy? Right. Done right there. You got DeAndre Ayton, who... They didn't even want to re-sign the dude. They wanted to trade him. Right. Golden State are more of a playoff team than they are regular season. Memphis, did they get much better this offseason? I'm not sure. They'll still be around that mark. You got Utah, who dropped dramatically now. The Nuggets, I don't think, are better than the Timberwolves at this point in time. I don't know. Something about it tells me that they're going to be like, they're going to be reaching for that top three seed. <laughs> I've gone in depth. I can't, the... <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't see it. I, I really oh. can't. I really can't see it. Like, I I can see them going in the run in the regular season. Mm. I can't see it. I cannot see it, man. I can't see it. I, I think Rudy Gobert will give them a – don't get me wrong, though. I think they're interior – because they have been lackluster in, on the interior defense. Uh, but I, I just don't think – like, I think everything 
everything literally is going to be based off of how well Anthony Davis, I mean, not Davis, Anthony Edwards developed this season mm. to me. I think that is what's going to indicate how the Minnesota uh, Timberwolves play. But if, but I don't think the Minnesota Timberwolves right now as constructed is better than those teams I've named. Still, I don't think they're better than Denver. I don't. Mm. Like, if they're healthy, I, I really don't. I don't think they're better than the Clippers healthy. healthy. Mm. And I don't think they're better than Golden State. And I do not think – and, yeah, uh, Memphis really didn't have a – didn't ha- really do anything offseason either, but I think they yeah. gambled on their development. I yeah. think that's why they didn't really make as many moves. I don't think they're better than Memphis if they're if they take another step. Mm. Um, shoot, even well, even though Dallas don't have the the star power as Minnesota does now, that depth is I, pretty good. I still think, yeah, I think Dallas still has a team that shoot. We yeah. seen what Dallas did last season shoot, and then we seen what they did in the playoffs. Yeah, and they added Christian Wood and Javale McGee. They literally plugged in two players they desperately needed for a cheaper price. So, um, I don't know, yeah. man. And look, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the Timberwolves are better than any of these teams. I'm just saying they'll do better in the regular season. This Timberwolves team has been very built to be a regular season team. They've got dudes that have only been able to succeed so far in the regular season. Playoffs, I'm not sure. But when I look at their, their depth as well, just their forward depth is insane. Cole Anderson, Jade McDaniels. Torrain Prince, you got Cat at your new starting power forward, and he'll also like when Gobert goes to the bench, you move Cat to that starting five. You know what I mean? Or to, you know he gets the five minutes when he's when he's off to the bench. They've got dudes all around. You got that Jalen Noel dude. He's still only twenty three. He shot nearly forty percent from three last season, averaging around nine points. They brought in Bryn Forbes, who's a decent dude as well. I feel like he's gone under the radar for most of his career as well. Austin Rivers, I've always liked low-key. I'm pretty sure they brought him in too, from Remembrance. There's a, it's, a, it's a really solid team. They have a really good 10-man rotation. Their 11th to 15-man rotation is not that great. But as I mentioned earlier, they don't have necessarily dudes with like a big injury history, if that makes sense. But I don't know. We could, we could also... The Cavs are kind of a parallel. Like, could the Cavs be a a top three or four seed in the in the East next season. You know, they've built their team, I think. They've got, like, a similar thing going on, too, where I guess we, we can say the Cavs actually did it before the Timberwolves. They brought, they've got the two seven-foot dudes before the T-Wolves did it. But if I'm going to say the T-Wolves could be a top three seed in the West, do you think it's appropriate to say the Cavs could be in the East as well, a top four or top three? Because I know that's been a big debate amongst people. The the Cavs can be well. Sure, you know I'm a I'm a little biased, but the problem yeah. with that is though, the East it's is stacked. Uh, oh my god, the East is a monster. We yeah. have never seen such an overpowering East ever. Not yeah. like this. So much so where the East is significantly better than the West. And that's the first time we can confidently just say that. Last year, it was still kind of up in the grab. So even though I was saying the East was better than the West, but yeah. this season in particular upcoming, it's no doubt in my mind. Like, if the Cavs get third, fourth seed in the East this season, they earned it. <laughs> because they have to play against literally every – like, every single team is a team that you can legitimately look at and say, yeah, they're a competitor for at least playing – like, you got Miami, you got Boston, you got Milwaukee, you got the Sixers, got the Raptors, can't sleep on them, got the Bulls, Bulls if they're healthy. Cavaliers. Got, the, got Brooklyn still. Brooklyn, got yeah. Brooklyn. And then yeah, don't sleep on Brennan. Detroit. Like, Detroit have oh. actually built a really solid team. And, well, I don't know how, even though the Washington Wizards, we always, you know, but the Wizards, if they play how they move, how they got the players, they got the players to make some type of noise out there in the East. The Knicks like, also brought in Brunson. Decent dude. I'm not saying they're going to be anything higher than a plane, <laughs> but they still they still took a dude from the West. That's another dude yeah. gone from the West. Like, the, like, I'm looking at this. The only team I'm looking at and saying, all right, I'm not sure if they're competitive is probably the <laughs> Orlando, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because even the Pacers, <laughs> I, like the Pacers has historically, like they may not have had like complete star power, but they've always mm. managed to get that one player that's keeping them like yeah. maybe two, three games under, you know, 500. Like, or, and if they are strongly under 500, they've had, like they've had good games, you know, like all of them has been kind of like, all right, I if they have one more healthy season, I can see this. But like you said, the only team that just looks piss poor is the Magic. Everybody yep. else in the Eastern Conference is strong. And you can name at least four teams in the West that kind of look like, oh, like they're, they're like the second worst team in the East. Uh, in the East, sorry, could probably be better than like the five worst teams in the West. Like that's yeah. the reality of things. Like, Detroit could still somehow be the second-worst team in the East this year and could literally make the play-in, like, straight up in the West. Like, it's it's crazy. But with the Cavaliers, in my opinion, the Cavaliers have edged themselves over the Bulls. They've edged themselves over the Raptors. I think there's about four or five teams still better than what the Cavaliers maybe are. But the thing is, though, if injuries happen, this and that, you got the off-court off stuff, like what's going on with the Nets, this and that, Cavaliers could move up to that three or four seed. It, it, it's not impossible. Literally anything can really happen now. But then we got to say as well, the Cavaliers, we're noted to have a major ton of injuries. We, we always are in like that top 10, top five injury list like nearly every year. It's... Like, I mean, we just can't get dudes on the court to stay healthy. I don't know what it is, but last season, we we struggled majorly with injuries. Yeah. So, and this is why the season is going to be important. Mm. Like, we got the we got the assets. We got the death. Yep. So this is, this is going to be strongly on our development, strongly on J.B. Bickerstaff. We really can't blame Kobe Altman if it does go bad because Kobe Altman has been working his mat. I can't blame him. Yeah. Uh, like Kobe Altman's been working his hand. Yes, we still need a small forward, but when you look at this roster, like you said, this is probably the second most complete roster, in my opinion, outside of probably the Clippers. Mm. That's not a bad call. Like, top to bottom. It's very good. Top- only issue is maybe small forward. It's still like, oh, is a core of that dude? I'm I'm not exactly too sure. We'll have to wait to see how a core develops this season. We literally don't know what he's gonna be. I mean, all he needs to do is shoot threes and play good perimeter day. That's all he's gotta do. But will he do it? I don't know. <laughs> he might not even be the starting three. They might literally go with Lamar Stevens. Shoot, I might go with Lamar Stevens for size. Yeah. That's I- important like Isaac Carr is a great he's a good yeah he's a great defender it's just like I told people literally <laughs> like when we got him that first game we like we seen him play like ice is always going to be limited hmm. and it's not his fault like he's a good defender but when he when you play him at the small forward and you play him against the elite small forward and in the east he's playing against almost all of them <laughs> Especially if we talking about playoff contender, you're talking about Giannis, he got to see. You got KD, he got to see. Like, Tatum and Brown. Yep. <laughs> that's a prop. Like, he's not guarding those type of fours. Those no. are, it just, he just don't have, it's limits to what his body is able to mm. do. He can guard the Zach Levines at the four position. He does a very good job and capable job at guarding um, players like Bradley Beal as well. Bradley Beal yeah. always struggles every time he plays on him. But if you're looking at a dude like Lamar Stevens, not only is he a way better interior dude that can guard dudes like LeBron and I think a Tobias Harris, a KD and that much better, he's also got a good mid-range. I feel like people really undervalue Lamar Stevens as a shooter. He's got a really nice mid-range. He's really crafty around the basket. His three-point percentage needs a lot of work. But you don't necessarily need to be a great three-point shooter if you're a really good mid-range dude that can work around the basket and even catch lobs. Isaac Corey hasn't really been able to do any of that. I don't know if I've even seen Isaac Corey shoot a mid-range shot in his career. It's just not something you see the guy do. If you've got a dude like Lamar Stevens at that starting three, he can guard one through four 
six foot seven type dude, really big as well. The dude's big, no homo. Um, and then like you got, <laughs> and then you got the great, great mid range shooting and stuff as well. The only thing you can't do is three-point shooting, but you should be able to make up for that when you've got K-Love on the court or if you've got DG and Donovan Mitchell right next to you. You don't need to be the greatest three-point shooter out there. We've got shooters. I expect Dylan Windler and Jetty Osman to take strides this season as well. It doesn't look like either of them are getting traded anytime soon now. I I do think the Cavaliers have the pieces we just got to put it together, and we got to hope that the development furthermore continues. But yeah, as I'm saying, I legitimately think there is a case to be made that we could be a top three or four seed in the East. But yeah, the the East is stacked, like you said. Like, goddamn, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, that's gonna be a battle, man. If we make if we make it third seed or second seed or even fourth seed. That was a huge season for the Cavs. All right, one of the things I want to talk about too, and I can't remember if I talked about this with you or someone else, but it was on the Charlotte Hornets. Did I did I speak to you about the how they were rumored to be wanted to move on from Terry Rozier this offseason or rumors about the Gordon Hayward trade, stuff like that? Yeah, I think we talked about the Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Well, a question I wanted to ask you is, is do the Charlotte Hornets need to reset the team and what I'm kind of like for me to like elaborate on this right now the big thing the Charlotte Hornets need to, to do in free agency was bring in an interior dude like a Miles Turner I think just give LaMelo Ball a reliable two right this and that and they really didn't do anything you know they Miles Bridges was not the reliable two, as we've ended up finding out. <laughs> like, whatever Miles Bridges is off doing right now, I don't know. I still don't know where he is. I don't even know if he'll ever be able to even play again. I don't even know if the NBA's talked about suspension there yet. But they didn't bring in Miles Bridges as well. They ended up keeping Gordon Hayward, who they said the whole entire offseason they were going to trade. They didn't even find a new coach, really. They brought in the old coach from last time, like in Steve Clifford. The dude they sacked for not being good enough. They decided to, for some reason, give another chance to. The Charlotte Hornets did nothing of value. And, you know, when you were talking about um, earlier teams that are pretty bad, I actually wouldn't be surprised if the Charlotte Hornets are the second or third last team in the East. Because other than LaMelo Ball, there is nothing going on with this team. You got Terry Rozier who's still there doing really good, but there was already rumors they wanted to trade him. Gordon Hayward can only play half a year of basketball. They lost Miles Bridges, which was a huge loss. Like people don't understand that Miles Bridges, he was winning them games at points, like legitimately winning them games. I remember when we played against the Hornets, he was like their best player, I'm pretty sure, one of their games. So you lose him. PJ Washington, I'm not too sure. They've been wanting to trade him all offseason. They brought in a coach who's no better than the last one they just had. <laughs> Something tells me this is going to be a very rough season for Charlotte. And I honestly believe they're going to have to somewhat reset. We already know they want to move Rozier and Hayward on, this and that. What do you think? Am I am I onto something here? Do you think they could be a bottom three seed? Do they have to reset? Because seriously, I think even teams like Detroit have moved past them. Yeah, I don't think they need a, a complete reset. I do think they have to now kind of put a little bit more pressure than what they probably wanted to or intended to. Because uh, with with Bridges being out for however long. You have to pretend like he's not coming back. And because he's you gotta pretend like that, you gotta get LaMelo Ball help. You have to mm -hmm. show him that you're willing to get him a competitive roster. Because LaMelo Ball has shown us he is a competitive player. He's a good player. He's a star player who may very well be a superstar player. And how they talk about him, he could very well, when he gets the opportunity to. He might be on his way to L.A. You mm. never know. But 
on the subject of that, do I think they need to trade Scary Terry? Actually, I wouldn't do that yet. I think they should actually keep him. You just got to get him on a reasonable deal. And I think Scary Terry is in a position where he probably would take that. I can kind of see him wanting to go elsewhere for the money. But when you look at the current climate of the uh, of the NBA guards, is like for you to get that bag for a guard, you got to be a top 20 mm. guard. You you have to, like Schroeder's realized that really quickly. <laughs> he nursed right yeah. away. He realized that really quickly. I do think Hornets, as much as we talk about Buddy Hill to the Lakers and all these teams, mm-hmm. I think the Hornets mm-hmm. should try to get Buddy Hill, um, not Gordon Hayward. Yeah. That is the player that you have to talk about with the Hornets because he's a weird, he's in a weird position because in my eye, I can see why the Hornets would keep Gordon Hayward because mm-hmm. he works. He's a veteran player who's ideally the perfect player for the Hornets. He's mm. not demanding the ball. He can give you 20. The only problem is he may get hurt. Yeah. But when he does get hurt, he missed 30 games. He's like Anthony Davis. Even the even more than is- that, I think his average is literally half the season. It is 40 games now. That's how many games he misses. And that's a problem. <laughs> even though last season was pretty good for him, I like – he didn't really he didn't really start missing games to the like the tail end. Mm. But that's what really cost them cost the Hornets for making a playoff because they was actually yeah. a team that was more than likely gonna make it in. Um I do think the Charlotte Hornets, now that they kind of see what works with Lamelo, they gotta find a Gordon Hayward, but for cheaper. Yeah. They have well, to start developing their players now. Well, they really have to now. Yeah. But well, the way Gordon Hayward was injured towards the end of the year, I have a big feeling this dude is probably not going to play more than 25 to 30 games. Something about it is telling me that this dude is nearly done. Like, he's on the verge of it, right? And if I'm right about that, I'm going to read you out their core. They've got Terry Rozier, Kali Oubre, Mason Plumley, LaMelo Ball, Cody Martin, PJ Washington, James Buchnight, Mark Williams, Kai Jones, Jalen McDaniels, and Nick Richards. That is a very, very young team with not a whole lot going on. That is a team that I think is going to need quite a bit of development. And when you compare that to what, like, Indiana and that of cooking up, like, Indiana still have, like, you know, Chris Duarte, Benedict Mathurin, of course, Halliburton, who could be an all-star this season. Still a bunch of really good players like Miles Turner. They got Buddy Hield, as you said. I'm looking at that Indiana Pacers team, and I'm thinking, hold on a second. That could literally be better than that Charlotte Hornets team. Same thing goes with Detroit right now. Charlotte, I think, are in a really odd spot where they, I think, might need to just... There's not really a point of having players like Rozier and that on the team at the moment because they know they're going to be bad. They know they're going to be, I think, a bottom four seed guaranteed in that East. You might as well just let players like Book Knight and that developer you drafted super high. But I guess that's just, it is a really tough one. They're in a really tough spot because if Miles Bridges actually stayed on this team, this and that, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation right now. We'd probably be saying they need to get that extra dude and then they'll be a, a play-in playoff team, right? But... Miles Bridges going, you're losing a dude that averaged you 22 points per game and one of, was one of your best defenders. Not just that, you're practically losing Gordon Hayward now. I don't think Gordon Hayward is going to play much next offseason. The team did get drastically, I think, worse over this offseason. They, and their coaches know better than what they had. So I'm not saying hey. they need to... What do you mean? No, I said I agree. Oh, yeah. Um, And then what I'm trying to say is here is I would completely max extend LaMelo Ball and just try and get the top five pick, go into free agency, because I think they're going to have a fair bit of salary cap potentially too, especially if they move on from players like Haywood and that, and go and actually do something. So that that's my call on it. I think a lot of Hornets fans probably agree. They just got really messed up by Miles Bridges. And I think one of his friends, who's like a rapper, said if the Hornets don't give us the bag, we're going to Detroit. That's literally what one of his friends said. So, something tells me Miles Bridges is probably never going to play in a Charlotte Hornets uniform ever again. <laughs> just, a, just a little suspicion on it. But last thing I'll end off with is 
I was going to ask you as well, because there's a rumor going around right now that the Golden State Warriors are really, really keen on extending Jordan Poole. Looks like they're going to be offering him this deal, and they're going to try and get it done this offseason um, and before the season starts. But we talked about this earlier, and apparently it's more and more happening. The Orlando Magic are now pushing more and more to try and get Jordan Poole to the team. We spoke about this a bit ago when they were just interested, but now it looks like they are extremely interested in trying to get him. Do you think the Magic should try and get Jordan Poole? Because the way I'm seeing it, if they want him, they're probably going to have to offer him around 25 to $30 million a year just to get him over, which is a massive overpay. Because apparently the Warriors are already willing to offer around $20 million. So, what do you, what do you think happens there? We gonna see. We gonna see what type of what type of time I enjoy to pull on. And honestly, I can see the magic completely overpaying. I can see them giving him giving him way more than that. I can I can see them messing around giving him one fifty a year. <laughs> I can really see that. I can confidently see that too because he got a rent. Yeah, that's the most Orlando thing to do mm. right now, especially if they're not sure on. Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz and Jalen Suggs and uh, I feel like I'm missing a guard, which they've already shown they're not really sure about those guard, minus Cole Anthony. That's mm. probably the only one they kind of starting to see, you know, those flashes. But I can see them one bad season away from the, for Cole Anthony being in that same pool with the other guards they got. Like they drafted three straight guards in the past three seasons. They got Markel Fultz. They overpaid for Markel Fultz. And then he got hurt, like, literally a week after they paid him. So it's like the Magic right now is desperate. They just want anybody with a name good enough to get them to uh, fill some seats. Mm-hmm. Like, right now, they think anybody in, – and in, when I say anybody, anybody could get them back to the playoffs, and they willing to risk it. I mean, I applaud them, but when you look at the Magics with the amount of guards they have, Yep. But the team so undecided, like, like it is so undecisive, like what this team construction is going to be. Like, are They've you running still got big? RJ Hampton as well. Like, Jalen Suggs might be running small forward at times next year. Like, I don't know who they want to start, and they've still got Franz Wagner. They have to start. Uh, yeah, I'm about to say you don't even know who you start that small forward. You got Jonathan Jamal. Isaac's back <laughs> now. Yeah, you got yeah, you got Jonathan Isaac. You got Franz. You got Paulo, uh, yeah, you got Paulo now. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, mm. uh, you can probably pit them three, four, or two, three, four, but are you really gonna pit all three of them in the start rotation at the same time? Yeah. Especially yeah. when all three of them has shown that they trying to get buckets, man. Yep. All three yep. of them show flesh shoot. Fraz Wagner dropped forty one time. You feel what I'm saying? Paolo, you drafted him, huh, with the aspiration that he's basically our next superstar. And then Jonathan Isaac, you paid him like yeah. he was going to be a potential <laughs> star. So it's like... And they the brought Mac- back Mo Bamba. <laughs> so what's going on there? Like, what's going on with their center? Centers right there. And, you know, people will be like, oh, you're hating on the magic. You are hating on the magic. This and that, right? Just because we're saying they're indecisive and they don't know what they're doing. To furthermore prove that, an hour before the draft happened, it was, like, set that they were taking Jalen Smith. Or Jabari Smith, whatever. I don't know why I said Jalen. Yep, Jabari Smith. It was said they were taking Jabari Smith. 30 minutes until the first round pick. Apparently, they changed their mind like that, and they went Paolo Banquero. Out of nowhere. Like, no one even knew that was happening. I don't even think they knew it was happening. They were just like, oh, well, we're just going to swap this, and go with him, and I, I remember seeing Bankuro go number one and just thinking, whoa. Like, even though I do like him better than Smith, and he looked way better than Jabari Smith, it was still like a, whoa, that's a big out-of-the-blue one that they've just done, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, and they for one pick. Like, since when does a number one pick try to pump fate 29 other teams that's not even going to be in the running? <laughs> For those three <laughs> players. Like, come on. Like, that is the most Orlando magic thing <laughs> to do. Like, you are number one. Like, yeah. who like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play, we're gonna trick the league on this one. We're gonna make sure yeah. they don't draft a player. 
You're number but one. But they had number one. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Like, you have number It is no team. Even if somebody were to trade up, it is no team, no team, that could not go to take way to get that play. Like, it's like, man. Uh, Orlando, I don't think Orlando truly knows what they want. Like, no, they drafted three guards. You got three forwards. You don't know who you want as your center. You don't know if you want to go offensive or defensive. Yeah. Don't know if you want to be balanced. You don't and, know if you trust the coach. I, I'm pretty you sure last, I, I'm pretty sure last season they had, like, one of the most, like, changes to their starting lineups. Like, they always had a different starting lineup on the court. I think the Lakers were another one. The Cavs, we always had, like, a different small forward playing every single week. And at two, we never knew who we were starting there. But Orlando at one stage, like, you'd have this starting five. But then the next week, everyone who was in your starting five last week are going to be on your bench this week. Like, they didn't know who they wanted to start. They legitimately didn't know. And now you've got Markel Fultz, who's back, who balled out, was easily your best player towards the end of the season. And now you're kind of like tricking fans into thinking there's some hope there. And you've got Marco Fultz now who has to be your starting point guard because all the Orlando Magic fans are like, this is the dude. This dude was our best player towards the end of last season. But the reason he was your best player is because you got no one else. You had no one else. Someone had to be the best player. And Marco Fultz decided it was him towards the end of last season. But then what happens to Suggs? You cannot put bench Cole Anthony because he's too good. Even though he probably is a, you know, on a really, really, really good team, he probably is the six-man type of prototype player. You can't do that on this Magic team. So that means you're going to have to bring your pick number five off the bench next season. Because you can't start all three because you got to start Franz Wagner, Ben Kiro, and Carter as well, who bowled out this season. You've got a very indecisive 11 or 12-man rotation, and I don't think they know what they're doing. Orlando, surprisingly, have one of the most diehard fan bases. Every time I make a video on the Magic, I'm always getting hate. Always getting hate. But we're telling the truth. Me and you are speaking the truth right now. And people will just choose to ignore that. But the reality is the Magic are probably going to be the worst team in the East next season. I don't even know if they know what they want. They could have pick one again next season and pump fake the league and not take Victor Wembanana or whatever his name is and just take some random guard again because that's an Orlando Magic thing to do. <laughs> Any final words on that one? <laughs> or have we covered it all? I feel bad for Magic fans. That's <laughs> all I God bless their heart, man. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those situations. But of course, I want to thank you guys so much for watching this podcast. Please go and subscribe to Rally's channel. We'll be linking it in the description down below, like always. Comment your thoughts and opinions on everything we've had to say down below. But as we were saying, oh, and subscribe to the podcast channel. Clips coming out every day over there. I think we hit over 150 subs. I had a short that got over 8,000 views of Gideon getting a haircut at the tennis. Wasn't even my video, but I'll take the 8,000 views. <laughs> Make sure to leave a like, subscribe, and comment, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. I saluted with the wrong hand, so we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs>